yeah, so that's kind of my path to how I started um, focusing on changing food and then realizing I just felt better. I felt better when I was eating um, organic pasture raised eggs for breakfast with some organic avocado and some blueberries and a lemon water and some ginger tea. Like I just felt more focused and I didn't feel as sluggish. And I think my drive was, I didn't want to go back to the hospital. I mean, quite frankly, I just had such a terrible experience there. I was just like, I'll, I'll do anything. Welcome to Utopian Talk, a podcast surrounding the journey towards health, sustainability, and building a better world together. Join us as we kick off engaging discussions with sustainability influencers, lifestyle bloggers, health and wellness coaches, bakers, and foodies, conscious people just like you who are taking steps towards a brighter future. It's time to join us on the journey because there's no planet B and there's no time like now to make a difference. Welcome back to Utopia Hen Talk, where we have small yet engaging conversations focused on building a better world together. I'm your host, Paul Myers, and I hope you all are having a fantastic week. I know I am. I'm working remote um, in sunny Florida, so I'm running a couple podcast interviews down here this week, and um, it's great. The weather is nice. Spring is in full swing. I know when I left uh, Pennsylvania, um, we were getting into the 90s. So Utopian Farms was feeling the summer heat a little early this year. Um, so that's great. But yeah, I hope all of you are doing well. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have a great episode for you today. I'm excited for our guest and just um, interested to see where the conversation takes us. Um, but yeah, without further ado, uh, let me give an introduction. Um, our guest today is Andrea Gray. Um, and she is somebody who has, uh, used our eggs in the past and we've seen her on social media and sort of got connected that way. And just through social media and just seeing different things she was posting about and highlighting our eggs and stuff like that. Um, I think we may have sent her some eggs or some coupons at some point, uh, but yeah, it was just great to sort of see that there was, um, a story behind the things she was posting about and, um, as with, as it is with most of us. And so we really want to reach out to her and just say, Hey, what's your story? Like we want to hear from you. So Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. I really do love your eggs. I discovered them at um, Citarella in East Hampton, and I'm always looking for eggs that are organic, that are pasture-raised, that have that gorgeous orange yolk color. Mm. And I was ecstatic to find you because it's not easy. There's so much jargon, marketing jargon, I'm sure as you know, (laughs) um, on egg cartons as there's with so many food items nowadays, and they don't usually mean anything. So I was really excited to see that you had the right words, the real words, Um, because I use food as medicine. So it's really important to me, every single thing that I put in my body. And where are you located again? Yeah. So, um, we kind of split our time between, um, Manhattan and the Hamptons with a little bit of Miami kind of sprinkled in. Nice. Very cool. That's great. And so Citarella, uh, we love Citarella and obviously having our eggs in there and everything. They're just a great, uh, company and market and the people over there are wonderful. Um, so tell us a little bit about a little bit more about stumbling across the eggs and sort of finding them. And then, um, yeah, tell us about that first. Cause there's a lot of things that you just said that I really want to unpack and dive sure. into. Cause I feel like 
people have a lot of questions about the types of things you were touching on, but yeah, tell us about finding yeah. them and what drew you to them most. Yeah. So, um, I, I love Citarella as well. It's one of our family's favorite markets. I, we love anything that's a, like a local business. Mm. Um, and we love that it's also rooted in New York city and they have a location there. And so it's one of our most favorite places to frequent. And when I saw your eggs, I thought, well, this is perfect because I, eat eggs daily. My whole family eats eggs daily, um, just for breakfast, but also tons of baking. I come from a big Italian family and, um, my mom is all about baking because we use food as medicine, um, for my health issues, which we'll get into shortly. Um, it's just so important, the sourcing mm. and where every single thing comes. And we really make most of our food from scratch because it's hard to find pre-made packaged goods, um, that you can actually get from a store. So when we saw your eggs, I was like, this is perfect. Like, this is what we've been needing. Um, and it's not easy to find. It's not easy to find organic and pasture raised where, you know, the hens are living their best life <laughs> and yeah. being taken care of. Well, I always say um, the color of the yolk when it's that nice orange color as yours are, it means um, a healthier hen and a healthier hen means healthier eggs, which means healthier people who eat the eggs. Right. Mm. So um, I was so excited to find those. And then um, I had learned that you have duck eggs, yes. which I just tried. My mom went to the Citarella on the Upper East Side um, in New York City, actually, to get those for me and to try those. And I really liked them. I just ate them. I kind of do this thing with eggs where I bake them in the oven in a little um, glass baking dish, just like coat it with olive oil so it doesn't mm. stick toss the egg in, and then I'll sprinkle some spices on it. It's just easier for me, like with my different um, health challenges. One of them is multiple sclerosis. So my motor skills aren't also always amazing. I like to bake things in the oven instead of having the live fire on top of my stove from the gas range. Um, and so I baked the duck eggs and they were amazing. And we have some leftover. My mom's actually using them in one of her rip famous recipes. She makes these grain-free soft pretzels like you buy on the street corner. Mm -hmm. but I can't eat them because I avoid gluten grains and refined sugar and whatever else they put in street corner food that you might find. Uh, so she makes them from scratch for me and she's going to test them with your duck eggs today. So we're really excited for that. That is cool. Very cool. I love the, um, we talk about it a lot here and in different, you know, marketing endeavors and everything like that, but the importance of um, third-party verification um, as far as like, so many companies could put on um, on their cartons pasture raised or this, that, and everything else. Um, but it's important to know, especially to conscious consumers, people like you and pe most, like all of our listeners, people who actually care about the products that they're getting, they won't actually know that what they're putting their money towards is actually the real thing um, and not just somebody making claims. Um, so some of the ones we have on the organic pasture raised would be uh, USDA organic, um, that seal, and then um, certified humane as well. That's our uh, our seal that we use to certify that the hens are being treated the way that they are, that they're getting the life quality Um so yeah, that's, it was great to hear you say that that was something that was important to you and that you were able to find eggs where you actually knew you were getting what you wanted to get. Um, yes. It's so important, especially now with so much going on in just the space of, I don't know, I've heard people call it whitewashing and all just different like, or greenwashing uh, rather, and just like people using and throwing out these terms. And how do we know that the eggs I'm buying are actually what they say they are. And the third party is just a great way to go about that because we're getting certified humane. It's a, it's a rigorous process and it's not like a once and done where 
you know, the form gets reviewed once and then they're good to go. It's like every year, something that is occurring consistently. That's amazing to know. And you're right, because there's just is so much marketing jargon. So when I see those certifications that we go right for those, even Mm. my dad. So my dad um, is an older Italian man who really likes his certain foods and his certain ways of eating, but he gets, he, he knows now like the list of things he has to look for when he is sent to the grocery store to do the errands. And he knows he has to look for the little certified organic stamp, which your eggs have. And it, it, it's so, it just makes it easier as a consumer. Like you said, to know we're getting what we think we're getting. Yeah. Especially as I've been in this space, uh, the longer I'm in this space, the more um, I start to look for those, not even on like egg products or, or dairy products per se, but even just like, you know, different snacks and stuff like that, where it's just sort of like, I'll notice it now and be like, oh, that has a uh, non-GMO certified or something like that, where it's like, okay, I recognize that label label or that logo. So I know like, okay, this product I can trust, like more than yes. a product that might be claiming or organic or, or, um, humane or anything like that without an actual label that you can, yeah, research and look up and get the information that you need. So that's great. Um, so you mentioned, uh, multiple, uh, sclerosis, and I know you have several, um, different medical conditions that you've dealt Mm -hmm. with in the past and have sort of, um, moved through. Um, so, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, but before, why don't you give us a little bit of background um, on you, sort of where you grew up, where you've come from, what's your family situation like now? Um, what do you do for a living? Just to give us a little, uh, tell us more who who is Andrea Gray? We'd love to hear. Sure. So I grew up in upstate New York. And when I was 20 years old, I moved to New York City um, for the first time alone. My parents moved me down. They moved me into, um, it was a hotel room actually at the New Yorker that they so generously converted a few floors into for interns. Um, so they moved me into this little historic hotel room and they went back home. They had to go back home. They had to go back to their lives, go back to work. So it was me. And I remember the first day stepping onto the subway and just thinking, this is it. It just made sense. Even though I didn't know anybody, it was crowds of strangers, but it had this energy and it had this life. And I just thought I'm home. And what brought me there was an internship at Saks Fifth Avenue, which was so magical and special to me. I had never stepped into a Saks Fifth Avenue or a department store like that until I actually after my interview in their corporate headquarters and I was given the internship. Um, and it was a really special world. I was, I've always been interested in fashion when I was a little girl, um, growing up in upstate and also the time I grew up, it was pre-social media. So you really didn't have exposure to the different facets. So it was in my eyes, you could be a fashion designer or a model. I capped out at five feet, four inches. And this was before more inclusive <laughs> inclusivity. So if you weren't six feet tall and looked like Giselle, you weren't going to be the fashion model. So I thought, well, that's not my path. And while I'm creative and I like art, it never came supernaturally to me to kind of draw in a design way. So I didn't know what to do went to school for business. I wanted to apply that in some capacity to fashion and I learned about buying. So that's how I ended up with my internship at Saks. And then later on, I worked at Bloomingdale's, which were amazing opportunities. And I worked in buying offices and, um, it really is kind of a magical, glamorous world that you kind of might think, but it also is very stressful and it's very um, high pace, which I always envisioned. I always thought, I don't know where I got that from, but 
um, growing up, I just thought, I think I saw like Angela Bauer on who's the boss. And she was like this marketing <laughs> executive in New York. And I thought that looks good. Like, I'm just going to be that person. I have no idea why. Um, so I thought this will be my life. High stress, fast paced, but my health wasn't keeping up. And, um, shortly into my career, it became very clear. There was something wrong. I had lots of symptoms just coming on dizziness and fatigue and this extreme pain in my mind, in my head, I now know is a migraine. I had never even heard of a migraine before. I didn't know what that was. Mm. Um, and so on and so forth, aches and pains and just kind of some disabilities piling up. So to try to wrap that up, um, so I don't ramble for too long, I ended up having to take a step back and stop working. I went to see many doctors. It took um, several years, uh, before I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I was elated. I think I should say my mom and I were, when we got the diagnosis, just because we knew there was something wrong. So it wasn't like I was a healthy person who kind of just suddenly was told that you have this kind of life sentence. It was like, we very much knew something was going on. Um, and, my husband, my dad, my mom, and I, we were just seeking the answer. And so we finally had it. So it kind of felt like a gift. And I thought, okay, now I can do something about that. Um, I don't think I did enough. I, I went back into, into the working world. I wanted to be a fashion stylist, which is another intense, um, very physically demanding job. Mm. And I just wore myself down again. And, um, not that these are bad jobs. It just like, wasn't working for me. And I think what I needed to be focusing on more in my life, um, I think they're fabulous jobs for the right person. Um, so I ended up in the hospital for a month, um, in New York city about six years ago. Uh, and it turns out that I had a kidney disease. So I had gained 40 pounds of fluid in 10 days. Hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not, my frame is naturally small. So that fluid on me was a lot. There wasn't really anywhere for it to go. So it triggered my MS. It triggered uh, some autonomic issues I have, which is sort of like a blood pressure regulation system. Um, I also have some blood sugar issues and I have the chronic migraines and some other things, eczema, psoriasis. And so everything just sort of um, snowballed and we kind of egged itself on, oh, no pun intended. <laughs> Eggs are good in this, in this situation. So um, anyway, so it just sort of snowballed and got worse for me. So I thought, I don't ever want to go to the hospital again. I was like very traumatized by that experience. It wasn't a good experience. Um, and I left the hospital and my mom and actually my former boss from Saks Fifth Avenue, who's kind of my big sister now, both said like, you should really figure out holistically, how can you heal yourself? How can you manage these diseases um, in a different way? And I was on lots of medication and very severe medication for the kind of culmination of all of the health problems I had at that point. And they were causing great side effects. And it was, that was scarier to me in a way, I think, than the actual illnesses I had, because I felt like I didn't understand the side effects and I couldn't control them at all. And my goal was to not have to take the medication. So I just worked really hard studying, researching, reading anything I could about how um, to manage autoimmune diseases. Cause I figured out that was essentially the core of what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of anti-inflammatory foods and um, high antioxidant foods and eating clean. And I started to 
heal myself. And about two years into that, I met a great doctor, Dr. Daryl Joffrey in New York city, who's a nutritionist and a chiropractor. And that was exciting for me because it was like a real life person. It wasn't just the internet that I was trying to interpret. Um, and I got to ask him questions and he spoke back and he answered them. (laughs) Um, and so that was, that was very helpful. And he has great uh, supplements and vitamins and he took my health, um, to the next level. And then, um, I was managing kind of the best I could with that. The, um, pandemic hit and I, I, my health kind of stayed pretty stable through that, but I realized that it, it was kind of to the point where I was processing, okay, this isn't just a diagnosis I received and I'm not feeling good and I'm trying to get better. I felt like I really plateaued Mm -hmm. and like I, I hadn't gotten as better as I had always imagined in my mind, I would get, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, my husband and I were just sort of talking and brainstorming what to do. And it kind of lined up that it was time to move to Miami to open an office, um, with his business. That's what I do nowadays actually for work, I guess, real work, you could call it. Um, what is real work? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. What is it nowadays? Um, so he, he's an engineer and he's an acoustic consultant. We own acoustic and vibration, um, design business and okay. just where the market was going. It made sense to open up in Miami. There is so much, um, moving down there and there was so much development happening. Yeah. Um, and so we thought that's a good move and it's also great weather and their sun and their salt water. And we knew that those were environmental components that were very helpful to my health. So we thought, let's just try and see what happens. So we went down and my, um, Dr. Daryl Joffrey from New York city, who I mentioned who'd helped so much actually gave me the name of another doctor down there, Dr. Miles Starkman. And he's a chiropractor, but he 40 years ago had a patient walk in that said, I have multiple sclerosis. And as a result, he dedicated himself to learning anything you could do to treat that in a holistic way. And so he has what he, calls a brain center. And there's a lot of great other therapies, like physical therapies, I think is the best way to explain it, um, that I've done there. And that just took me to the next level. Um, and I feel confident that I can just continue to manage these, um, conditions through the therapies, through using food as medicine, through decreasing stress, which is a whole nother can of worms (laughs) that is not obviously, I think we all know it's easier to say than do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, I guess that's a really long answer. And I'm sorry for everybody who still has to listen to this podcast because we are not done yet. And I already <laughs> yeah, took up no. a lot of it with just talking about who I am. No apologies. And that's, yeah, I, that's <laughs> great. I, I would, that's what I was looking for you to dive in a little bit and just share um, for anyone who may not know, would you mind give us a brief explanation of what exactly uh, multiple sclerosis uh, sure. entails and sort of what are some of the side effects of that, that you've experienced personally? Yeah. So what's really interesting is I think, um, I want to preface it by saying what I've learned is that I think everybody who has multiple sclerosis has their own version of it. And, um, I just want to say like, this is just what my experience is because I know when I was first diagnosed, it was really something that was hard for me as I was being, people would tell me like, Oh, I know so-and-so who has it and they're fine. 
Mm. or I know, and they can do this and they can do that. And I was, I felt really down because I was like, well, I can't do that. You know? And it was almost like I was kind of being shamed, like, and that the expectation was I should be able to. Um, So I just wanted to say anybody out there who has any type of health condition, like I hear you and I see you and um, I understand, like it's your experience and it's different, you know, for each person. Um, So for me, um, so multiple sclerosis basically is um, your body attacking the little protective cover around your spinal cord. Okay. So, and that's, you know, it's debated. I, I have doctors who will say it's, it's in no way an autoimmune condition. And then I have other doctors who I agree with who say, well, if a compo- if the cause of it is your body is attacking yourself, that's essentially what an autoimmune condition is. It's like your body thinks something is bad in you. That's not, and it should stay. And it doesn't know. And it kind of has like its wires crossed. Um, so that's why I had approach um, for myself managing multiple sclerosis as an autoimmune condition with my diet and factors like that. Um, but it's, it's a neurological condition too. So for me, there could be things like, um, I'll get dizzy or, um, I'll get aches and pains. I get things where it kind of feels like a a bee is stinging you like in your spine or in your arm, um, or in my knee. Um, and I'll get, there, I don't know how to explain this. So if anybody out there has MS, you hear me. It's just, I'll just say there's something weird about the left side of me where it's like, it feels like my left hand just doesn't, like it looks normal, looks fine, but something with my brain connecting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm having a bout of my MS just not going well for me, it just feels like to me, it doesn't work the same way. I don't know how to say it. Something feels almost like a creepy crawly, like you have ants inside of you or something. It's like this very weird phenomenon. Um, but yeah. And then weakness, I got the MS hit me in my core early on, which is kind of tough if you think about it, because your core kind of holds you up, you know, it holds most of you up. So if that's, if that's not doing its job, um, you can see now we're on, um, a zoom video. So he can see me. I have like a pillow on my lap with my mic on it, because if I sit up too long, I, I just kind of like destroy my core and it gets worn out. Um, yeah. so I just have learned to kind of prop myself up. Um, but my legs will get weak. Sometimes I get some slurring. Um, and sometimes it's hard for your, my legs to move in a cyclical motion. If it's like on the staircase or certain walking things, but for me, I mean, I really learned like sleep health, decreasing stress, eating the right foods and getting the type of fitness that I can. And I am not, I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not a 5k runner. Like I'm not even a runner. I, I walk 10 minutes a day is my goal for my exercise stretches, walking in the ocean or the pool, like any little movements I think mm-hmm. can, can kind of help. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So you talk, um, about sort of all the stuff that you've dealt with and it's you know it's terrible to hear like the stuff that you've dealt with but it's also cool that to hear the, the way that you're able to um yeah sort of talk about how everyone might be dealing with it in a different way this is how you've dealt with it but you want to be able to meet people where they're at with their and tell them hey i understand you because i've dealt with it maybe not in the exact same way but in a similar way um but you talk about as well, sort of how your journey, this journey brought you to a place of finding a more natural way with food 
to sort of use food as I forget the word you use, but um, yeah, using food as medicine in a more natural way. Talk to us about how that sort of came about and what does that actually look like in your day to day? Yeah. So I think the idea of using food as medicine directly came from um, my mom in that her dad, um, so this was a long time ago, he was very ahead of his time. He um, was a professional baseball player and he had a chiropractor and he, I don't know how, but he just became very tuned into maybe through his chiropractor. I'm not sure it came tuned into food. Um, and his mom was very, very Italian and he was always trying to encourage her, um, to use swaps and any substitutes that he was learning. I don't know, in the forties, maybe this was, um, to make food a little bit healthier. And so that was ingrained in my mom when she was growing up, my, my, I call him Papa. He would always just make the most bizarre concoctions from scratch. She'd say, and he'd be like, here, try this. Uh, but he was always trying to not use salt and be mindful of sugar. Um, and so she, my mom had that in her. And when I was very little, I couldn't eat dairy. So I grew up with my mom making all the substitutes so that I could still have cake and I could have cookies. And it was, I was never, I never was deprived of anything in that way, thinking like, oh, if there's something wrong with you, or if you have a restriction, like that's a bad thing. I just thought, oh, it just means like my mom uses this other thing in my cake. Like I didn't know. And, you know, I didn't think it negatively. Um, and then also, um, my, uh, kind of inherited big sister Tara from my days at Saks Fifth Avenue, she has celiac disease. So she doesn't eat gluten. And I had that in my mind. And she kept telling me like, you need to figure that out and figure out how that can help you. And she thought it really would if I kind of cut back on my gluten. So those two things from my mom and Tara, I just knew food. I don't, I didn't even question it. It just felt very clear to me. Food made made an impact and it was going to do something. And so I just started reading, um, doctors, um, websites on the internet and just kind of figuring out, okay, I'm not supposed to eat inflammatory foods. So for what does that mean for me? And I don't do this a hundred percent of the time. And I think that's important to say too, because I think if you think like, oh my gosh, I'm confined to this restricted lifestyle, it's going to sound depressing and you're not going to do it. And it's going to be overwhelming. I just did it a little bit at a time. And thankfully my husband, um, in support of me. And also because I think he just saw how much my health was affected, thought he wanted to be as strong and healthy as he could. He started eating exactly the same way. So it was very simple. It wasn't hard because it was like somebody else wanted to keep a bunch of food in the house I couldn't have. We just did it together. So most of the time I avoid gluten, but I also avoid grains, um, which are oats, for example, which oftentimes people will say are gluten-free, but it's a grain and that can cause inflammation as well. Um, I avoid refined sugar. I avoid cow dairy. Um, and I avoid, well, I do a lot of my, I, I create recipes because like I said, I, um, grew up big Italian family and you don't stop eating. You just swap yeah. what you're eating. <laughs> you exactly. still got to enjoy life. <laughs> um, so I'm all about making really fun recipes and desserts and treats and meals. Um, and a lot of that is actually not free because my husband is allergic to nuts. So mm. just sort of to help, help with that. Um, most of my recipes are also nut free. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I just started taking all those foods out and then replacing them with foods that I was reading are high in antioxidants and high in vitamins and high in minerals. So tons of leafy greens and, um, 
lemon water. I drink lemon water every day, all day with organic lemon slices. Cause that really helps to just kind of detox your system. Um, drinks are actually like a, such an, uh, in my opinion, an easy way to kind of get, um, sugar and bad ingredients out of your diet, because I don't want to drink an iced tea with a tablespoon of sugar. I'd, I mean, if I'm going to have sugar, I'm going to have cake, you know, I'm not yeah. going to, not going to drink it in my iced tea. So yeah. for me, like, I'm also very logic based. I think the way my mind works, so it was easy for me to just make decisions to be like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink sugary drinks anymore. Cause I don't really mm -hmm. care about them, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my path to how I started um, focusing on changing food and then realizing I just felt better. Yeah. I felt better when I was eating um, organic pasture raised eggs for breakfast with some organic avocado and some blueberries and a lemon water and some ginger tea. Like I just felt more focused and I didn't feel as sluggish. And I think my drive was, I didn't want to go back to the hospital. I mean, quite frankly, I just had such a terrible yeah. experience there. I was just like, I'll, I'll do anything. Right. And so does that, uh, doing those types of things and eating those types of, you know, foods that aren't going to cause the inflammation and everything like is, does that have a direct impact to multiple sclerosis or any of the other, your kidney issues or anything like that? Or is it more a holistic approach to I've dealt with this? How can I attack it at the root and more going at it from that way with, I want an overall healthy body and healthy food uh, system that I'm putting in. Does that make sense? Is that? Yeah. I, 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 I believe that it, the changing the way I ate and utilizing food as medicine directly impacted on a scientific level, what is going on with my health? Because, um, I actually saw so we've been moving around a lot and we, we were in Florida for a while and I came back to New York last summer and I saw my um, nephrologist, which is my kidney doctor in New York city. And he hadn't seen me in quite some time. Hmm. And we, we sat down in his office. Um, my husband, I'm my husband and said the doctor and I sat down and I gave him my blood work that had gotten done when I was in Florida and all the tests and all the numbers he looks at um, relating yeah. to my kidneys. And he was studying, studying, studying. We sat in silence for like seven minutes. And then suddenly he threw his chair back off of his desk, ran into the wall behind him and said, oh my God, I remember who you are. So I didn't know the first like 20 minutes of this meeting. He had no idea who I was. I looked so drastically different when yeah. he had seen me last, I was 40 pounds overweight. It I'd mentioned earlier that was from fluid, but then it transferred into fat because I was put on such high doses of steroids, mm. um, that I just was gaining and gaining and gaining in an unhealthy way. And I had not this kidney doctor, thank God, a different doctor looked at me at that point and said, Oh, I would just plan to never look like yourself ever again. And I just thought I had some choice words in my mind for him. Um, and I, but I just kind of like gave him a brief nod of the head and we left the office abruptly after that. And I just thought to me, that's unacceptable because what I look like on the outside is a reflection of how healthy I am on the inside. And this does not look healthy. This does not look healthy on me at all. This doesn't look like me. I'm puffy. Like this is not, I'm not toned. I don't look good. And so I just thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to omit that. And thank God my um, team around me, I always say my mom, my dad, Ryan, and my inherited big sister, Tara, I remember her very clearly saying like, that's not true. You're going to, 
And yeah. I don't know why I just believed so much what they told me. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't know why they're great, brilliant people. I guess that's why. Um, yeah. But I just believed the good people around me. And I'm like, OK, I will look like myself again. Um, so anyway, fast forward to last summer, we're now I looked like myself again and I was with my kidney doctor um, and he just said, you look, you look different. And I said, oh, I know I was a little bit more overweight and he would, he couldn't help himself. And he just kind of shouted a little bit, like <laughs> that's the understatement of the year. You were drastically a different size. And yeah. he said, they used to wheel you in here in a wheelchair. I like, I couldn't move. I couldn't like pick my head up because all the medicine I was on with my autonomic mm. issues were making me lightheaded. And I kept almost fainting and I was turning gray and it was this whole thing. Um, and he was just shocked, not how only how differently I looked, but he had read all the labs and he just said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And yeah. he couldn't believe how good my numbers were on zero medication. Wow. And I want to make this so clear. I'm not a doctor and I'm not recommending what anybody right. does or does not do. For me, I was able to get off my medication and I'm better for it. Yes. Yeah. We definitely want to Yeah, I reiterate that. It's not yeah. we're here to have a conversation. Like, yes, yeah, we're not making talk to your, yes. Talk to your doctor. <laughs> yes. It's just, this was my path and this is what worked for me. And, and but what... so to your point, scientifically the, using food as medicine, um, as well as all the other environmental factors I was changing with, um, trying to decrease stress and just doing some physical therapy literally changed my scientific numbers, my lab results. Right. Exactly. And to your point, like everyone's situation is different. So just because this worked and had an effect on you doesn't mean that it's going to work for everybody else. Other people, their story may be that medication was needed to help them to remain healthy. Whereas in your case, you were able to find a natural way to go about that um, through food and able to sort of get yourself back on track where you needed to be and in a place that hopefully now you are, are feeling much better and healthier and, and happier. And, um, it's so great to hear and sort of see, you know, that whole journey taking place. And I hope that's encouraging to, to our listeners as well. Yes. Thank you so much. One of my, um, holistic doctors actually says about medication. And I think for me, this is what applies. Um, it's great for crisis care and I, and I'm grateful that medication exists and I live where I do. And I had access to it when I, my body was in a crisis yeah. and I'm forever grateful that I had it at that time, but you're exactly like for me, my path was that I wasn't using it long-term and that's yes. just what worked for me. Definitely. Well, talk to us a little bit about the community that you've sort of uh, created, I guess. Um, I know you have uh, social media, obviously, where you go on there and you are able to share the different insights and things that you're learning. And then you also have a website as well, where I've been on there and you give different recommendations as far as restaurants, places to eat. Um, and tell us a little bit about how that all came about um, and what inspired you to do that and the community that you found because you did that. Sure. Yeah. That's actually very funny. And I think that that story is definitely um, an example of how the universe has a plan for you that you might not necessarily see or be going along with. So I was still trying to talk to people about fashion. I've just always liked clothes <laughs> yeah. and that's like what I wanted to talk about, but nobody really wanted to talk to me about that. Everybody that I knew in my 
my personal life would talk to me about my health mm. and my recipes and what was I eating and why. And I, I, for a very long time, I was confused because I'm not a doctor, you know? So I just thought, oh, why is anybody asking me this? And I didn't realize like from the outside, they just saw such a remarkable change in me that they mm. wanted to know what was that change? Like, how, exactly. how did you do this? But you know how sometimes you don't have that perspective living it yourself. You don't even realize you know, what you're doing, I guess, exactly. in a sense. Um, and so I just thought, well, part of it was out of kind of, uh, I felt like a need to appease some people in my life, some friends I have who are brilliant and I love them, um, uh, who I have a, a guy who's a very good friend of a dear friend of mine, and he actually works in fashion. And he probably more than anyone did not ever want to talk to me about fashion. And he wanted to know, what do I put in my bone broth that I drink every night before dinner? And I thought, is that really interesting to you? You know, like you have a very like exciting life and you want to talk about my bone. He travels the world. You know, he does all these things. He wanted to know what was in the bone broth. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something here. Like I'm just not seeing. And he really encouraged me to just kind of create a, a website where I could post the recipes to share with people. And he said, I want to click on the ingredients and buy them because I don't know what these ingredients are. And I just want a straightforward way. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Okay. So when we were in Miami, I just started building a website myself um, and wanted to post my recipes. And from that, somebody found me on LinkedIn and they asked me to do some interviews when I was going to be in the Hamptons um, the following summer, which was this past summer, and to interview some people, some business owners. And I thought, okay. And it was the same confusion as like, you want to talk to me or like, you want me to do that? Like, I just wasn't really getting getting it, you know, like I didn't feel like I was seeking that out and I didn't, it was surprising that that's what was coming back to me, but I thought, well, that sounds exciting. I love to talk about food. I, I do enjoy speaking about food myself. Um, it, every, you know, I'm eating lunch and we're talking about what's for dinner and when are we making dessert? So I was like, okay, maybe they're, this is making more sense. And I remember speaking to the person who hired me and they were like, okay, so when you do things like this, like what kind of content do you create and where do you put it? And I'm thinking in my head when I don't do things like this, I've never done this before. Like I don't, what, um, and so I was like, well, I'm building a website and it's, and this just, you know, came out of me and in my mind it evolved from, okay, it's, you're not just going to post recipes. You're going to post interviews. So I was like, it's going to be a food and wellness website. And I will interview people like, and I just, I don't know, you know, just gave a little sales pitch. They loved it. And I was like, well, I guess that's something I do now. And it was yeah. a really fun experience. And I do <laughs> like it because I love supporting local businesses. I mean, really through the pandemic that we were out here out uh, in Eastern Long Island. And I just was so panicked about these businesses. There's a, a department store here um, called Hildreth that was founded in the late 1800s the late 1800s. It's a family business and it's thank God still operating. And those, and that just made me think, oh my gosh, like we have to preserve and conserve and like, like be a community and really just support our local communities. So from all that, I love the ideas of talking, writing on my web, my food and wellness site, which is called the saltlifekitchen.com, um, the farms and the cafes and all the great places to get um, amazing food that you can use, whether you use food as medicine or not, it makes you feel good when you eat it and it's delicious. Yeah. And I think using food as medicine, I, li I like that idea because it, it is, you know, it's what we have naturally to, uh, 
take care of our bodies, to put into our bodies. It's fuel, obviously. Food is fuel, but you don't want to be just fueling yourself with stuff that's actually bad for your body and going to have long-term effects. Um, whereas you could, you know, go a better route and view the view it as fuel and like, think of it as a car, like you wouldn't want to put the wrong type of fuel in your car. Um, and it's the same with us. Like we want to be making sure that the fuel that we're putting into our bodies is actually beneficial to us. Um, I think that's so important. And I think, um, having a website like you do in running those interviews and having those recommendations, it is great because like you, um, like anyone can go online and they can Google their issues or Google something they want to see, and they can literally get an answer um, on both sides. Like, it's so funny, like the internet has so many different uh, sides that I can look up one question um, one day and get a completely different answer the next. It, it, does that make sense? So it's yes. great to have a place where you're someone who's lived through it, who's had these experiences and who has found a way to sort of integrate healthy food in a way that acts as a medicine for you. And now people can go directly to you as somebody who's lived through it and get recommendations directly from places you've eaten, people you've talked to, um, farms you've been at. Um, so I think that's, I think that's great. Oh, that I'm so happy to hear that. I just am so eager. Um, like you're saying, I just want to share anything that I've mm. learned in case it helps somebody else's journey be a little bit easier. Mm. Um, and it means so much to me. Um, the women I've met, um, men too, but mainly women are the ones who, who DM me on Instagram, mm. um, that they've made all my recipes. And I'm so confused. I, every time I'm so blown away, I'm like, really? Like you, you read them and you made them. I mean, like they're great. And I think you should, but I don't know. There's something where it's, I also think the internet is just kind of funny because you're like, okay, there's really real people out there. Like, you know what I mean? It's not just a number on your screen. It's like, that's a real person. Um, and I get so excited every time I get a message that somebody made a recipe and they liked it. Um, or I, I answered a Q and a, cause I also am doing a, um, question and answer section on, um, the saltlifekitchen.com where I'm asking, or I'm asking people to ask me specific health questions they have, or, um, anything about my journey. Like I said, if sharing is caring and I just want to help. So I'll just try to tell somebody even something like I'm, um, how I manage my eczema, you know, like a little homemade just with like olive oil and honey, I put on my eczema and that helps. And I just want to tell people all these things because I spent years not knowing what to do and just not feeling well. And when you don't feel well, a lot of times with many of my conditions, and I think many other people condition, other people's conditions, it affects your mind and you get what's often referred to as a brain fog mm. where you just, it's, it's tired, but it's more than tired. It's fatigue. It's lack of focus. It's just kind of easily confused. And when you feel like that, you're in the worst place to try to help yourself, to try to re like learn how, how to manage a certain condition. And so uh, another thing I'm trying to do is not just have the recipes and the kind of the Q and a and my story all in one place on, on the saltlifekitchen.com. But I also try to deliver information in a really clear and simple way with mm. that. And I know this is going to be hard to believe because of how long this podcast is going on, but I'm not <laughs> as wordy when I type, I'm less wordy. I promise to make it simpler. I get right to the point. So people yeah. just know, okay. And the bullet points and the bold. And so you can just boom, 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 and take away. How am I going to heal my eczema or what am I going to eat for dinner? Yeah. Very cool. 
I love that. Yeah, definitely understand that as wordy people go. Sometimes it's easier to get it down on paper and then I can fine tune it and make it bullet pointed. Whereas when it's just coming out of my mouth, I don't know when to stop. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'll just keep going and going. (laughs) That's great. Well, we are coming to the end of our time. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing uh, just your heart and your journey. Um, Before you go, though, uh, what is one takeaway that you have uh, come, you know, from all of this that you've been through? What's been the biggest takeaway and what do you want to leave with our listeners? I think my biggest takeaway... um, kind of falls into the category, uh, the environmental factor of stress that I was referring to that I realized that um, stress is also another component that you can use to strengthen your health. And I, for many reasons or whatever reason for a long time, just didn't believe that um, one, I could be patient with what was happening in my life and um, that I could really affect change without it feeling so hard. And I think that there is a difference between working hard, but like trying to push and fight something that's just not meant to be. And I think that for a long time in my life, I was like really trying to like insist I go down this path that just maybe at the time wasn't the right one for me. And now I'm like really learning to take a step back and like have an attitude of gratitude, which is another thing I learned from our we have a dear friend um, on Instagram. His name is Chop Happy and his husband, Tom. He's actually also a food blogger. And he just taught us all about manifesting and an attitude of gratitude and just sort of like relaxing into your life and like knowing and believing, you know, that things are going to get better and that things are going to change and try to like live in the moment and take one day at a time and be patient. Um, and just like the day you're living, like be present and have an attitude of gratitude and just kind of like do what you can to move towards like what your goals are in life. Mm. And I think that's given me a different kind of peace and, um, a mental, assurance almost that like, it's going to be okay. And things still come up um, where I'll get like nervous or anxious. Um, And I just try to remind myself, like I've already come through so much. And Mm. even if I feel like I've gone backwards a little bit, like that's okay. Be patient with yourself and you're going to move forward again. Yeah. No, I think uh, definitely a positive outlook is, yeah, is yeah. Just integral to, um, just, you know, coming out the other side, like if you're entering a situation and you have that brain fog, that gloom, it's so easy to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. But if you can, you know, get yourself into a place where you're able to have, you know, things are going to get better from here, that positive outlook. Um, I think it gives you strength, yeah. to, you know, continue on and get to the other side. And know that you can create your own path and don't take no for an answer. You know, I had a lot of doctors tell me things that were discouraging and pessimistic. Mm. Um, and I'm very grateful that I had people around me to help me not believe that. Yeah. Um, and just like find your own answers, you know, and like, and, and create your own path and you can. Yeah, for sure. 
That's great. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. Uh, it's It's been just great to chat and just sort of hear um, your side and the things that you've gone through. Um, and I know it will be an encouragement to those listening. Do you have any uh, podcasts or anything that you would recommend people listen to? Um, and what? Uh, where can we find you as well? Sure. Um, well, I'm on Instagram at, um, at Andrea Gray. A-N-D-R-E-A-G-R-A-Y-E. And my food and wellness website is thesaltlifekitchen.com. And I'm working um, on getting a lot more information, uh, Q&As answered, as I was mentioning. And there's a place where you can ask me a question if you have any, or DM me on Instagram. I'm really happy to share anything that I've learned. Um, and in terms of podcasts, well, number one, I would say would be Utopian, <laughs> because I, I really do enjoy how it's such a conversation. Mm. Um, and that it's such a diverse um, group of people, I feel like, that you have conversations with. So it's a lot of different perspectives and it's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I would a podcast. That's interesting. I do really enjoy listening to podcasts like we were talking earlier that it's just nice to hear other people talking almost like especially for me um, having to be home a lot and not feeling well. And it just is a nice like it keeps you company. It almost feels like you're the third person at the kitchen table listening to the people talk. Mm. Um, and I really appreciate that. Another podcast I do listen to a lot is Bethany Frankel's. It's called Just Be. And it's very, it's actually very, um, technically, I guess it's more business focused, which I have a great interest in, but she is just like a practical, logical, make your own path like manifest, do it, do the work, like very, I feel very um, inspired when I listen to her and very empowered. And it sort of like renews me if I'm having a bad day or a week or a month and I feel down, like I'll listen to her. And I think like, yeah, I can do that. You know, and it kind of, it's almost like a motivational speech and, but she's very real. It's not fluffy and it's not just a bunch of jargon. It's like practical um, tips and just kind of like life perspective. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for those recommendations. And yeah, to anyone uh, looking to hear more from Andrea, uh, please check out her Instagram and her website. Um, you can find that uh, by following her um, through the Instagram post that we'll make when this episode comes out. Um, so thank you to our listeners. Uh, we appreciate your support and for tuning in. And we'll see you all again next week for another great interview. Hope you have a great day. You've been listening to Utopia Hen Talk, where we believe that making a big difference starts with one small act, one small decision, one small change, one small promise to simply do better. Join us on the journey.